Welcome to Other You, a podcast where we discuss a decision in our lives that may or may not have had a long-lasting impact. We unpack some of the factors behind it and then explore in short story form what the other version of ourselves might have experienced around that time or shortly thereafter. I'm your host, Dee. Let's see where this story takes us. Welcome back to another episode of Other You. I am your host, Dee. Today on the show, I have with me a filmmaker, the founder of Head Trauma Productions. There's a story behind that, and we'll hear it in a second. He also started his own screen printing business, which paid for his first feature on for Head Trauma Productions. I love the cycle of life. Uh, please welcome to the show, John Pata. Hello. I'm, I'm going to insert uh, a Cheers track there, so... Oh, that's very exciting. Yeah. That might be my first round of applause. Nice. So I appreciate that. Computer's going to cheer for you. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thank, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So Head Trauma Productions, um, that sounds fun. What, what inspired that? What inspired the name or what inspired the filmmaking? Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's do the name first because it sounds okay. like a very specific name and then we'll go yes. from there. Yes, it is. Well... I often work in genre filmmaking. It's primarily horror. You okay. know, I've done some stuff out on the on the periphery of it. And a lot of people just assume they're like, oh, well, you know, if you like horror movies and you make horror movies, head drama productions. That just seems appropriate. Right. But the reality of it is that between the ages of seven and 15, I had seven concussions. And when I was 15 in a skateboarding accident, I actually had a cracked my skull open. Oh no. Well, I cracked I cracked my skull. I didn't tear my scalp. So technically, I didn't crack my head open. Okay. But it was yep, just uh, all the damage was on the inside. All the damage was on the inside. Yep. So right. I had a skull fracture. My brain was hemorrhaging. Over 60% of my brain was damaged at that moment. Oh. And I spent quite a bit of time in the hospital. Came out of it with 10% of my brain that is permanently dead. Okay. And um, the name head trauma just got associated shortly thereafter and so yeah, i can't say that it was ever really a nickname okay. as much as it was a self-imposed brand if you will word and in 2007 i made my first quote-unquote short film which was a 700 dollar backyard movie basically mm, and uh, my friend that my friend colin who shot it said you know you should probably have a production company associated with this and i was like okay great had trauma productions <laughs> nice and that stuck with me. And then in 2011, I actually formed the LLC that is now Head Trauma Productions. Nice. So it is a legit operating production company. Wow. So were you like a, a quarterback of your football team? How did you? <laughs> no, I was just, I was, <laughs> I was just, uh, a, I, I don't even know what the right word is that you want to say. I was an overambitious kid. Uh, I, um, okay. I unfortunately, actually, three of the concussions came from my older brother, which uh, not a great relationship there. A lot mm. of physical abuse. So gotcha. that was one thing. Okay. But four of them was, you know, one was I fell off the monkey bars in fourth grade. Nice. Another two of them I just wiped out on my bikes and uh, yeah, just hit my head a little too hard. And then the fourth one was the skateboarding accident. So, nice. OK, yeah. Wow. You know, they say yeah. that like I, I love that 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 trope. That, you know, we humans, we only use 10% of our brain. If that was true, could you imagine if the 10% that you <laughs> lost was the 10% that we use? <laughs> I, there's some people in my life that would tell you that that is what happened. Oh, gotcha. Okay. The 10% that I use. <laughs> oh, man. 
That's great. My mom would probably be the first to tell you that. Yeah. So. Like, oh, <laughs> sweetie, this is what happened. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> also, and it is funny. I uh, the the day of my accident was two days before my parents' anniversary, oh. and I remember. So there, I wasn't unconscious. Okay. But I just was not there. Right. And the first two days in the hospital, I don't remember. And I do the first day I remember, like I was cognizant. Uh, the doctors just were talking to my parents after I had a MRI mm. and they were going over the amount of damage I was done to my brain and telling them, you know, like your son might be mentally handicapped for the rest of his life. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, happy anniversary, mom happy and dad. Anniversary. <laughs> I just wanted to give you a, a memory for the rest of your life on this year. Yep. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man. All yeah. right. So you said that um, you asked what filmmaking or the name. Um, yeah. How how long had you want to be become a filmmaker? You know, I think the the long answer to that is when I was six years old, I I fell in love with Jaws. Jaws was mm. the second movie that I truly loved Ghostbusters being the first. Oh, nice. But when I saw Jaws and I was six, my parents were explaining to me the idea that the shark didn't really work when they were filming. So they had to get creative. And that's why you don't see a lot of the shark. And right. I just remember being like, what do you mean that the shark didn't work? It's a shark in the ocean. Right. And then they explained to me the idea of, you know, movie magic. Mm -hmm. And my mom found a copy of, the Jaws log, which was a diary of one of the producers from mm. when they filmed. And it had a lot of behind the scenes photos. Oh. And that was the first time that I realized that there was a world behind the camera. Mm. Okay. And this idea that you could just get to create the coolest, gnarliest things ever mm -hmm. and put it on camera. I was like, oh, that sounds amazing. Wow. So I, I really got into the idea of filmmaking at that point. And probably two or three years later, my childhood best friend and I started making stop motion animation videos because that was accessible, you know? Wow. And, uh, and then over later elementary school, middle school and high school, we were just doing really stupid short films that we're making like night of a living seizure people was one of them and yeah. um, dance party slaughter then we made Night of Living Seizure People 2, Shake, Rattle, and Die. Whoa, a and, sequel. Yep, yep. We, right. A sequel. It was an official sequel. And um, yeah, and you know, I think when I got into high school, the idea of actually pursuing an interest in filmmaking is when it really started to manifest. And that was also the same time that I was just emerging myself in the world of art, period. Mm. I used I used to like to draw and paint a lot. And then in graphic arts class when I was a senior is when I got to do screen printing for the first time. And mm -hmm. that was just like a revolutionary experience in my mind. And so my senior year is kind of screen printing and filmmaking were at the forefront of my brain. Wow. Okay. <laughs> my, the brain that was left over. Right, from, right. You know, my, <laughs> my accident. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Awesome. It's, wow. So young. Six years old. When you're yeah. like bitten by the, the, the filmmaking bug. And you know, it's funny, most most kids they get bitten by the side that's like, Oh no, I want to be on TV. But you were instead like enamored with the idea of creating something for the screen. Yes, and I and I think a big part in that was growing up as such a a genre kid. I mean, I 
I watched horror movies. I watched sci-fi. I watched fantasy. And I'm, of course, I'm reading Fangoria magazine. And thankfully, my parents really didn't give a shit about the stuff that I watched. Mm -hmm. And so, Hmm. you know, like the world came to know Peter Jackson when he made the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Right. And for me, when they announced Peter Jackson was making Lord of the Rings, I was like, the dude that made Bad Taste and Meet the Feebles and Dead Alive is making Lord of the Rings? (laughs) You know, I I just couldn't I just couldn't understand how they would give him money. But seeing early Peter Jackson, early Sam Raimi movies, mm-hmm. and you know even some of the the uh, trauma movies, mm-hmm. just seeing this ridiculousness that you could make, yeah. that was so appealing to me. And there was also a TV show called Movie Magic that I think Spielberg was a executive producer on, mm-hmm. that focused on special effects right. and how they did matte paintings and miniatures right. and. Yeah, the being in front of the camera did nothing for me because I was like, why would I want to be in front of the camera when I can try to make all this really cool stuff? Yeah. So yeah, never, never was I interested in acting or being in front of the camera. I also had a speech impediment growing up, and I think that that plays gotcha. a factor in it because I've always been a little bit, little bit insecure of uh, my speaking abilities. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. But I, I, I dig that getting behind the camera and creating and yeah. being able to parlay that love for art, you know, straight after um, school into the uh, screen printing and then into filmmaking. Mm-hmm. I mean, it took some time, but you got around to it. I Right on, man. Right on. Awesome. So let's go ahead and we'll transition now into the decision. Let's, let's hear about yes. John's decision in life that we can explore. All right. So in 2008, I started a screen printing company mm-hmm. and the original plan was I was going to do it on my own, but then, and I, I know we'll get into it, but I ended mm-hmm. up taking on a business partner Okay. and the, I mean, the, for a first, first few months of a business, we just exploded. I mean, we had, we were doing so great orders coming in a whole bunch of new clients and on a lot of fronts, it was a very successful operation. Hmm. But there was some personal stuff and some business stuff that just really wasn't doing it for me. And a lot of negativity and resentment formed. Okay. And I found myself in a place of just like not really being satisfied. And at the end of 2010, I decided to sell my share of the business. And as you mentioned in the intro, take that money into financing my first feature film and that ultimately decision to leave a dream behind, which was my screen printing and pursue another one. That's uh, probably what I would say is the biggest decision of my life, but Mm. also the best decision that I've ever made. Wow. Okay. So you've been a filmmaker for the little over a decade. Yes. I would say, Correct. Uh, okay. Where filmmaking has been the forefront of, you know, now I can say that I am making a living as a filmmaker. Right. But, you know, for many years prior to that, that was what I spent my full time doing. Meanwhile, finding little hustles on the side yeah. to pay yeah. the bills. Man, the, the life of an artist, how many, how, how many artists exist that have to have that second and third job just to be able to pursue their art? Yeah. You know, but I think there's, 
for me, and I probably just romanticized it to make mm. myself feel better. Yeah. But I kind of like it because mm. you're doing whatever it takes to do what you truly love. Right. And you're not saying, well, I can't make a living doing what I want to be doing, so I'm just going to succumb and right. I'm going to just get this job. You're like, fuck it. I don't care if I got to go do this job. And that means that I don't get to do the things that I want to do until eight at night. And I'm going to stay up till five in the morning doing it. So be it. So be this it. is what I'm compelled to do. Yeah. And it's it's kind of nice. You know, there's yeah. there's something kind of romantic and charming about it. Yeah. I think it also it, it really solidifies the the pursuit of things that you love when you can see tangibly the sacrifices that you're willing to make to really pursue this thing instead mm-hmm. of like when it's always easy or whatever you make it. I feel like we as humans have a tendency to lose sight of the things that we love and the pursuit thereof. Uh, but when it's like, okay, I'm, I have to work for this and it's, it's, I have to make the, de- I have to make the choice every day to do this thing. You know, it mm-hmm. sends him print yeah. itself. On us yeah deeper i would say absolutely yeah so you took on a business partner was that was that was that out of uh, preservation for your pursuit or was it a little scary when you decided to start this um screen printing business or did it was it like happenstance that someone you knew was like hey you're starting a business i want to start a business let's do it together yeah, so I I worked at a screen printing company throughout college, and that was really the goal. When I entered college, it was between film and screen printing, and I decided to just go for screen printing. And I, I well, I should say I majored in graphic design, so that's what I went to school for. But I was thinking, because I grew up in the punk scene, and I've always just had a very strong DIY ethic, mm-hmm. and I was like, if I know how to do design and I know how to do the screen printing, I can do everything myself. I can design the shirts and I can do the printing. I don't need to bring on more people because I was just planning just a small, intimate, mm-hmm. frankly, DIY business. Right. So I got a job at a screen printing shop throughout college just so I could get more practice and experience and also just kind of like learn the ins and outs of the business. And one of my customers, actually, who's about five years older than me, he had a small little clothing company, and I was doing the printing for him. Okay. And, you know, friends of mine knew that that was my plan, was to to open a screen printing shop when mm-hmm. I got out of college. And word just got to him. I, I honestly, I don't remember if I said something to him or if, you know, just mutual friends did or something like that. Yeah. But one day he approached me and he said, hey... I, I heard that you're looking at opening a shop. That's something that you want to do. You know, let me know if you want to go in on it together because mm. I got I got some capital and he he was running a freelance design business for, for many years and then his clothing company. And so at the time I was twenty-two and you know, I just kinda had this thought of, well, I could go get money from a bank right? or I could go into business with this other person and he's got the money. We don't really need a lot to start out with. We just yeah. need to buy the equipment. So, you know, just being a, being a young individual and not really being stoked about banks, mm-hmm. I was kind of like, yeah, why not? Yeah. Let's do this. He's got experience on the business side of things. He's got the money. Mm-hmm. It seemed 
Right. It seemed initially like a like a good move. Okay. I like the the usage of the words uh, it seemed. <laughs> right, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, do you think growing up in punk, um, in the punk scene, influenced your maybe a little bit of distrust for the established bank system? Do you think that had a um, any measure in the motiva- motivation to kind of partner with this dude? I think so, yeah. yeah. And I also, like, I, you know, when I was 14, my dad asked me, Hey, you interested in going to college? And I said, yeah, I think so. He's like, cool. Well, college is expensive, so you should probably get a job. And so I didn't get student loans for school because I just worked from 14 till I graduated high school and then all the way through college and I paid for it out of pocket. So I hadn't really had the experiences with the bank and I've always just heard a bunch of shit talking. Right. And so there's a combination of that. And also, yeah, I was just a fucking shithead, you know, I was like, Fuck the banks. They don't need my money. <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. <laughs> nice. Okay. All right. So let's let's go ahead and I'm gonna let's unpack the the version of you in twenty ten, right? Okay. Because that is when you left. That is when I left, yes. You left in twenty ten. Yes. Okay. So you've you've mentioned having an older brother who beat you up. Uh yep. and then you have parents. Do you have other siblings? Nope, just one older brother that's seven years older. Okay. Oh, seven years older. Okay. Plus seven plus older brother. Okay. And then um, at this point in your life, did, had you reconciled at all with your brother? Are you guys any closer? At that point in my life, no. At um, our, our relationship really kind of took a drastic turn in 2004, which is when my dad died of leukemia. Oh. And it was kind of like the, the split in our relationship. We never had a good relationship to begin with, but mm. I kind of just saw what was important in life. And, you know, like when your dad dies at 20, you, yeah. you kind of got to grow up really fast and you find out things that are worth your energy and worth your time. Mm. And I didn't really think my brother was. So 2004, we kind of distanced ourselves. And by 2010, I'd probably had only seen him once or twice in the six years that my dad had passed. Wow. Okay. Uh, are you guys still estranged or have you? Guys- yes. Yeah, yeah, we haven't. Yeah, we're, we're that relationship is completely dead. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, how about you and your mom? You guys close at all or? Yes. Yeah. yeah. We always had a good relationship with my mom. And then after my dad died, we did. We got a lot closer. And okay. you know, when I when I thought about doing screen printing shop, she was the first person I told. When I was thinking about getting out of it, she was the first person I told and gave me advice and everything like that. So, mm. so yeah, very good relationship with my mom cool. at, in 2010. Okay. That's good. That's good. Um, and then, so... Did you, when you were running the screen printing, were you making enough at that screen printing job to exist or did you have to have a second job uh, at the same time? Well, I didn't have a second job because I was, you know, I was working a good 60 to 65 hours a week because while my business partner had the design side of things. I was the only one that knew how to print between the two of us Ah. and the business did explode and we were doing great. So I was printing all the damn time. Wow. 
And I think, you know, when you start a new business, you got overhead and mm-hmm. you got so many other things to pay. I went into it knowing that we realistically wouldn't be turning paychecks probably for a good year. And I think that that was about right. So okay. I had I had some savings mm-hmm. that when I started the business, that's what I banked on living off of for the next couple of years. Okay. And um, by the time I left, you know, there was there was regular paychecks and they were enough to get by, but okay. it wasn't the comfortable living that it could have been right. if I would have stuck with it. Gotcha. Okay. Alrighty. Yeah, it's funny when I talk to people about their dreams to open up restaurants and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always like, yo, just so you know, five years. It's yep. five years before you are not in debt. What? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no matter how much your restaurant, unless you're one of those that happens to explode and you're making a million dollars a month. But even then, I promise you, you're, you're, you're going to have no idea how to manage your stuff. So you're going to be buying way too much food. Everything is going to be offsetting. And so you're, you're going to squeak until like for years. So, yeah. 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 It's, it's rough. It's rough, but it's good to know that going into it. Cause mm-hmm. if you didn't know that and you didn't have a plan, yeah. it gets ugly really fast. Yeah. Those are fun. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's super good that you had savings that you planned on living off of while the business yeah. was getting its feet going. Yes. Right on. So working 60, 65 hours, did you have time for hobbies? So, I mean, did I have time? I don't know, but did I make time or did it, did it exist? Yeah. I, at the same time, I was a nonprofit, excuse me, I was the president of a volunteer based nonprofit movie theater. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I, I did that for many years. I also ran a monthly horror movie showcase at local comic shop and, um, yeah, then it was like I was working on scripts and hang out with friends here and there. But it was, you know, when I when I look back now, I mean, it was really dark times because I was physically and mentally and also emotionally so drained mm-hmm. that I had a relationship at the time. And, you know, I just realized now like how checked out and how not present I was mm-hmm. with the relationship and even with friends. So... Yeah, there was recreational time, but I wasn't, I wasn't the best at it. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so, okay. So let me, um, you said you grew up in the punk scene, um, mm-hmm. was, g- give me some of your musical stylings at the time. Of 2010? Yeah. So 2010, uh, boy, the Flatliners Cavalcade had just come out about a year prior mm-hmm. and I was very into that album at the time. I also discovered a band called Arms Aloft through their EP, Comfort at Any Cost, which was on constant rotation. Nice. Uh, Get Get Rad was a hardcore band out of Milwaukee. I was friends with them, but also was listening to them a lot. And, you know, just like, at that time, Fat Records had a lot of good stuff. None More Black was coming out. There was mm-hmm. a new Dillinger 4, Civil War, that came out in 2008. Um, boy, let me think. 2010. What are some other records that were out at that time? Did you, uh, did you branch out into different types of genres, or did you stick heavily with kind of like this type of music? I mean, yeah, I've always, I yes, I've always listened to, to other stuff, but... Mm-hmm. 
I've always just come back to punk rock and ska. I am one of those people that in 2010, I unabashedly love ska. And in 2021, I unabashedly love ska as well. Nice. So, but but um, like in 2010, I think I was, I mean, good friend of mine that we actually, he became my first employee at the shop. Okay. And then we made Dead Weight together, the film in which I, Sold the business to fund. Mm -hmm. He owned and still owns a record label named Gilead Media that just works in really extreme, obnoxious metal. And because of working with him, we also listened to a lot of metal that I was never really into. Fair enough. But, But yeah, so I listened to that. And, you know, like... At that time, also, there's some, like, folkier punk that was kind of getting bigger, like Andrew Jackson Jihad mm-hmm. was on the radar, and Harley Poe, which is uh, kind of like if the Violent Femmes and the Misfits cross paths. Ooh. So, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I, it, was, it was a lot of punk rock and ska, to be into completely it. honest. Into <laughs> it. I'm into it. I can dig it. I can dig it. I feel like you get a lot of people that'll say things like, oh, you know, I love all kinds of music, but they only buy albums from one specific genre. Sure. You know? And and I'm guilty of that to a certain extent, but mm. I also, I love like 50s rock and roll and doo-wop. Nice. And soul. And yeah. I got a fair amount of those in my record collection. Yeah. And, you know, 80s and 90s hip hop also as well. Just mm-hmm. stuff I grew up with. Oh, Been man. listening to, to 80s a and lot 90s of... hip hop is, uh, that, that should be on the top of everyone that's, over 20 years old it should be on the top yeah. of their list that was, yeah man yeah yeah it's yeah i mean yeah some gems I, there were some gems hell yeah there were yeah and also i'm like 90s alternative you know just like classic alternative or grunge mm-hmm. something about it lately Whew, yeah it's it kind of fits of it. right yeah yeah right on right on uh tell me about what was um what was your regular routine like? I imagine um, with running, you know, participating in the nonprofits and doing the horror monthly uh, showcase, yeah, and working all those hours at the shop. Um, as so, as the as the owner of the shop, where you you can't just walk in, punch in, and then punch out and go home. What was right. like a routine? What was your regular routine like? I was typically at the shop around nine a.m. Okay, and didn't own a car. So I had, I had a, it was just a little over of a mile walk. And so, yeah. So walked, you know, rain or shine or snow Mm -hmm. being that I'm in Wisconsin. And so get to the shop around nine and, you know, typically it was just start burning screens or start setting up the screens for an order Mm -hmm. and (laughs) i you know i can't say much more than just print until seven or eight o'clock at night Mm -hmm. and then once i got done printing excuse me it was prepping for the next day i would oftentimes leave between 9 p.m and yeah like 9 and 10 p.m and then i'd get home and with the time community theater, which I was the the president of, mm-hmm. it was designing posters, creating slideshows, getting the roo- movies for, cause we only showed movies on Fridays and Saturday nights. Okay. So it was kind of prepping to get ready for the weekend and doing 
social media posts for either that or House of Horrors, which was my monthly movie series. Mm. And, you know, also maybe like hang out with some friends or my girlfriend at the time. But it was for the most part, my work days started at 9 a.m. and they didn't finish up till like 2 or 3 a.m. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. A big a big coffee drinker? How did you get through never, your days? Never never in my life. Wow. No. No. I uh I I've recently drank two cups of coffee and that was in October of 2019 oh. in in hopes of shitting because I was backed <laughs> up for 6 days and <laughs> did it, did I was it work? told I was told that coffee makes you poop. Yeah. So I suffered through two god awful cups of coffee and I didn't shit and I was just really angry cuz not only did I have a terrible taste in my mouth but I still didn't poop. Dang. <laughs> but Dang. other than that, no. I I mean I'm a tea drinker. I drink okay. a lot of herbal tea. I do some black tea for when I drink it iced, but nope, not a soda drinker. Hmm. Caffeine's really not my thing. Okay. I'm just a high energy person wow. for better or for worse. Okay. Um so you've mentioned your girlfriend a couple of times. We're, yeah. When did you guys um, stop being together? Or are, I mean, are you guys still together? It, it seems like no. you guys are So not. we, it's, it's actually interesting when I look back at it now, the, the shop opened in officially in October of 2008. We began dating in December of 2008. I left December 31st, 2010. And then we were broke up in May of 2011. So it was kind of like wow. the relationship started shortly after the business did and ended shortly after the business did as well for me. Wow. Okay. Do you think she only yeah. loved you for your screen printing? Uh, you know, she also worked in the printing industry. So there might have been something there. I did do some printing for her customers. Wow. So hmm. a little bit I mean, of a little bit of um, what are you shedding doing? some light on a very interesting thought here? Shit, what is that called? The corporate espionage. That's what it is. Oh, son of a gun. She's trying I think to steal you're all your something. secrets. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you guys are together for about two and a half years. Yep. About two and a half years. Okay. Alrighty. Um when you were at the time when you decided to get out of mm-hmm. uh, the screen printing, it was it was motivated by uh, discomfort in the situation, not because you were so profoundly motivated to do something otherwise, right? You know, I think I think the two kind of coincided with each other. Okay. I I really started by mid two thousand nine. I really started developing a lot of frustrations with with the business. Again, it was very successful on a commercial side of things, mm-hmm. but I realized that. Just from day one, I I compromised kind of what my initial vision was because bringing on this business partner, you know, I wanted it to kind of be just a little bit more low profile. Right. And being that it was just me, I could just take on a certain amount of workload mm. and do a lot of printing for friends, word of mouth, sort of that sort of stuff. Yeah. We went the opposite route, you know, very commercial, had a storefront and was going out and seeking clients and so on and so forth. Um, And it just wasn't me. It just didn't have the same kind of personality. And, you know, it was more 
to just be honest, it was just, or to be more blunt, it was kind of more corporate-y in mm. a way. You know, it was more formal of a gotcha. business okay. than, than I was really looking for. And then just big personality differences with my former business partner and I. Mm. And I was optimistic in the beginning, thinking that, oh, yeah, it'll be fine. We can put differences aside right. or, you know, I'll give a little bit. He'll give a little bit. We'll meet in the middle. It'll all work out. And it didn't really go that way. Mm. So I was I was getting a really just negative mindset about it and losing a lot of interest, uh, getting a lot of frustration, a lot of anger. And around the same time that that started to brew, one of my really good friends, Adam, who I mentioned earlier that worked for me, he was the first employee and he mm -hmm. owned the record label. He basically forced me to hire him because he said, dude, you're killing yourself and I'm not just going to idly sit here and just let you destroy yourself. Wow. So you're going to hire me. Yeah. You're going to teach me how to screen print and I'm going to at least do 20 hours a week to just help you. So you stop being down this, this really self-destructive path. Wow. And he came on and um, he, he knew that I had made Better Off Undead, which was my mm -hmm. 2007 short film. Right. And um, he was also, he wasn't so much into filmmaking as he was into storytelling. Okay. And he presented me this idea. He said, hey, I got this idea for, for a story. I have no idea what the hell it is, but there's two timelines that they mirror each other, but they go in opposite direction. So the present timeline moves forward and then the flashback timeline, if you will, goes backwards, but they both meet at the same physical spot. And it's just about a guy on a journey and I have no idea what the hell he's doing or why he's on a journey. Okay. And it was just like the most bare basic pitch. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you want to just help me kind of like flesh this out? And so being that we were working together multiple days a week, that's kind of what we just did is we started brainstorming about what this story could be. Huh. And by September of 2009, we really kind of picked momentum up on this, this story, which we didn't have a title for at that point. But he, you know, I was like, man, I think that there's a script here. Hmm. And I had a couple film projects that just started and they didn't go through and I was kind of like feeling a little bit down on the filmmaking side of things but then having a creative partner just kind of rejuvenated me and we began writing this script that then turned out to be Dead Weight the feature film that I made right after I sold my business wow. and so I bring that up because as I'm feeling negative and losing desire in the screen printing shop, which was my dream, a new dream of filmmaking, or I shouldn't say a new dream, but the dream of filmmaking right. kind of got some new life in it. And as we kept writing and as we kept talking about it and we're getting into 2010, you know, we realized like this is something that we really wanted to do, but we also knew we couldn't do it unless one of us dedicated ourselves to it completely. And at the time, Adam was married. He just bought a house. They had multiple pets. 
he was in no position to be like, all right, I'm not going to work. I'm going to just focus on this thing. <laughs> yeah. And I think in some ways I was looking for an out with my, with my business. I, I didn't want to be there anymore, but I, I wasn't really good at making decisions for me and okay. putting my well being in the forefront. Okay. So the idea of just being like, Hey, I don't want to do this. I don't like this. I need to get out. It didn't really seem like an option for me because I, I wasn't interested in taking care of myself. Right. But being like, Ooh, there's this film potential and I can dedicate myself to this. I can put every waking minute to this now. That was just like, I think that this is what I want to do. And as we talked more and more about the film and the script got finished mm -hmm. and things started coming together, I saw that it was a reality. And so I said, all right, I'm going to make this. I'm going to do this. Fuck it. Nice. What do I care? At the time, I think I, in 2006, I turned, or no, excuse me, in 2010, I turned 26. Mm -hmm. And when I talked to my mom and told her what I was thinking, she said, John, you're in your 20s. If you're ever going to take a big chance and a gamble and you're going to try something, now's the time nice to do it. Time, yeah. So I was like, wow. all right, let's, nice. let's see what happens. <laughs> nice. So Adam has had a very profound impact on your decision making, it seems. Yes. Wow. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 you know, it is, it is interesting when I look back mm -hmm. because I, I have certainly thought about, you know, cause, cause we all play these games of the like, well, the what, what would happen if I wouldn't have done this, you yeah. know? And it's like, I had a lot of negativity about those years of screen printing and I mm -hmm. go like, God, part of me wishes I wouldn't have ever done it. And then I go, but if I wouldn't have done it, Adam wouldn't have forced me to hire him as my first employee, we wouldn't have spent all this time working together, which ultimately led to that film. Right. So if I take that screen printing out of the, the equation, I don't know if filmmaking exists for me. Right. So, yeah. so yeah, it, yeah. Nice. Yeah. It is a very interesting. And now to be fair, even though he hasn't, he worked on one more film with me, but he hasn't kept up in the filmmaking world because he found out it's just not for him. Yeah. Um, that's he nice. does own a record store that I do two to three days a week at just because uh, it's nice to get out of the house, you know, and step away from film. So nice. we're still working together. Nice. <laughs> we're still, you know, and we're still uh, still being creative with each other in a little bit of a different capacity because he has a record store and a record label, nice. which I help out with both. Awesome. Sweet. So let me... When did it start to sour with your business partner? Hmm. Also, um, if, if I put him in, in your story, his name's going to be Herbert. Okay, perfect. A heads up, Herbert. Yeah, okay. Is it better? Should I refer to him as Herbert? Because you can. I'm just giving you a heads up. I'm gonna, it, so that's for me if I decide to ask you a question about Herbert. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because sometimes I don't always remember and I just ask people and they're like, I don't know yeah. who that is. Oh, well, sorry. Let me tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, so I kind of want to say initially, and, and maybe that's the wrong way to put it, that things soured right away. I knew that there were some pretty big fundamental differences with us, but okay. I, I was very optimistic. I was, I, <laughs> I've jokingly said that I was a very optimistic person until I got 
<laughs> until I sold that business. Gotcha. And I became a very pessimistic individual. <laughs> I don't know if that's entirely true. Okay. But okay, you know, so I think you. I think I'm oh, sorry. You, you've mentioned that you guys had different, um, like a difference of opinion from the onset. You had different like ideals or vision for mm-hmm. the thing. Uh, give me an what's an example of differing visions straight away. Okay, sure. So for me. A big desire for doing the screen printing shop was because, you know, becoming an adult, if you will, and realizing like, all right, you got to make a living. So you have to find a way to make money and potentially not hate what you're doing. So for me, it was like, I love screen printing and it's something I know how to do and it's something I'm good at. So I could just have a shop to just pay my bills. Okay. And his attitude was more about it was a money venture. So for me, it was like, I have to do something for a living. I'd rather do this. I'm not looking to make a shit ton of money. I'm just looking to live comfortably and do something that I really enjoy to do. Where for him, it was a way to make money. Hmm. And, you know, and again, it just kind of comes back to like a DIY mindset. And then somebody looking at just like a good business venture. And so we... So that was a that was a mentality that just clashed a lot because mm-hmm. there were things that we needed to do because the business was so much more. It was, you know, there was the commercial side of it. Mm-hmm. And so we had to just I had to do shit I just didn't care about. And right. I'm and and that's that's in terms of just, you know, like taking orders with people that you just didn't like <laughs> you know and it's like yep. yep why why are we doing this this is just yeah. they're being difficult and they're being assholes and this is more trouble than it's worth but we got to do it because our overhead is so much bigger now because we got to pay for the commercial space right. and we got to pay for the yellow pages ads uh-huh. which is really funny to say. we had yellow pages ads, right. and you know you don't have yellow pages ads so much anymore today I'm like, so, so there, and there was just, for those of you just, listening, imagine if you had to pay to be a Google search. Yeah, right. right. Fair enough. That's a good way of putting yeah. it. And, and, you know, some people listening to this could be like, well, that's just business. Like, that's mm. the shit that you do, which I completely understand. Sure. Yeah. But it wasn't the business model that I, you know, I think part of the problem was is that I had what I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And I never let go of that. Instead of being like, well, this is what I wanted. Here's the reality. I was just seeing what there was and being like, well, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I wanted. Hmm. Um, How much much influence in the job did he actually have? Was he just the money behind it? Or was he like paying with sweat throughout the day as well? Because I was on press all day, you know, he was handing more of the, the, the customer service side of things. So he was taking orders in. And, and he was also a designer, so he was doing shirt designs. So it wasn't, it wasn't so much, we both are very active, but we were active in completely different ways. You know, I'm work, I'm doing physical labor for Mm. anywhere from 10 to 12 hours a day. And, you know, he'd be working in the office, come and go and, you know, go meet with clients and, you know, stuff like that. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I can dig that. Um, was did you did you cut all ties with him when you left the business? 
or have you guys like since those years have passed um you know interacted and yeah we're i mean we're 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 very civil we were never we were never friends to begin with so it's not like that we you know hung out before we worked and then we stopped hanging out we just never really hung out Mm -hmm. and so we live in the same city still so you know i run into him and it's fine and it's civil but it's kind of what it's always been is just we interact about the stuff that we have to interact about if you will Mm -hmm. and then carry on gotcha okay I can dig it. Uh, is, uh, is, is, is that still, is that business still going? Yes, it is. It, yep, it is. And it's, it's, uh, quite successful and it's, it's, yeah, it's, they've expanded a lot and, you know, the shop has grown in, in many ways. So yeah, so they're still going and they just, uh, what 2000, yeah, 2018 was the 10 year. So they're coming up on their 13th year together. Wow. Okay. Cool. Uh, do you think there's anything else um, about that time in your life that I haven't thought to ask that you feel is pressing or hmm. anything hmm. about that time, uh, the, the time leading up to and then leaving uh, that job? I don't know if it's worth getting into. Mm-hmm. I mean, it felt really good that, you know, like the, the whole experience of making dead weight, which in some ways is very similar where my schedule didn't change. I was still putting in really long days Mm -hmm. and I wasn't making money, but I was like so ecstatic and just felt so great. So it almost went from two extremes. I was really down. I was Mm -hmm. feeling negative. I was feeling defeated. I, I lost a lot of interest. I mean, it was very emotionally and mentally damaging. Mm -hmm. And then I get into where now my full focus is on filmmaking Mm -hmm. and this venture that I was doing with my friends. And not only was it Adam that I was my creative partner on it, but we started just getting a bunch of our friends involved. Oh, Travis, he grew up doing skate videos and now he's actually a cinematographer. Let's work with him because we know him. I know my friends in Chicago are actors. We're going to get them involved. And it just, it, it was, it was like, this complete DIY again I keep coming back to that phrase but it's just it's important to me but it was just like this whole DIY operation mm-hmm. where Adam and I were doing things the way that we wanted to do them. so now yeah of course I'm still working like 18 20 hours a day and I'm driving myself crazy but I went to bed feeling so excited it's yeah. just like so happy which was the exact opposite of when I'd get home from screen printing finish doing all my other shit and then just I mean, truly, like, not even make it to bed, physically pass out before I even got in bed, wake up on the floor multiple times. <laughs> you know, I mean, that happened during that happened during the dead weight days, too. But it didn't, it didn't seem as alarming. Because yeah. I was like, oh, well, hey, I'm still enjoying myself. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't suck as bad when the work feels good. I got you. Yeah, right, right. Gotcha. Okay. Um, when did you... When did you start uh, working on Deadweight? Was it was like right after you left? Yeah, so we I mean, we began writing in in August of two thousand nine, okay. and then, but it was basically like December thirty first. I was done December thirty first two thousand ten. I was done with the screen printing shop, mm-hmm. and January second two thousand eleven, I had a, a meeting 
with the city of Nina, Wisconsin, which we wanted to close part of the downtown to shoot in. And mm. so it kind of was like I had a day off, if you will. Right. And then jumped into pre-production and we began filming in April of 2011. So it really was, I finished, I officially finished at the screen printing shop because we began the transition pretty early on. And realistically, by the end of November, I was kind of just done. I was still technically owner and I was still involved, but mm. they were operating without me, which is what we were aiming for. Gotcha. Okay. But yeah, January 2011, just completely right into dead weight immediately. Gotcha. So you got you got one day, one day off. Yeah, I probably still did film stuff that day. Right. I don't even remember, but I'm sure I did. <laughs> That's how we are. I dig it. I dig it. Awesome. All right. Okay. So then what we're going to do here is we're going to take a quick break. We'll listen okay. to a little bit of music. And when we come back, we're going to hear the story of other John. Um, stick around.
Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that music. Again, I'd like to reiterate my guest today is John Pata. If you'd like to follow him on Instagram or Twitter, on Instagram, he is at John Pata. And on Twitter, he is at John underscore Pata. Uh, but if I would like to quote him, if you're, if this is someone that you think you desperately need to follow, you're just going to be disappointed. <laughs> it's not a whole lot of social media interaction, but he's there if you want to find him. If, if even if you just want a little bit of reference for yeah, yeah, and you know I should say I'm fine with the interaction. I just don't post all that much. That's fair. That's you fair. Know, so. I can dig that. Yeah, yeah, I can dig that. Yeah, it's it's uh, it. Social media gets exhausting for me. Maybe because I'm old. Right. Yeah, I, Some, I agree. Sometimes I really like it, but then I just get exhausted because I'm like, I have to do this all day, every day in order to like maintain, mm-hmm. you know, a certain metric, you know. So. And what I found in the last couple of years for me personally mm-hmm. is that I spend most of my day behind, in front of a screen. Mm-hmm. The last thing I want to do when I'm not working is be in front of another screen. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't even really watch that many movies anymore because oh, I anyway. just am like, you know what? Step away from a screen, go for a walk, <laughs> read a book, listen to some music. That's satisfying to me. Okay. So I think that's part of it. And like you said, just old. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just the older I get. I, I just think like, man, if I was like 15, this would be my, my dream come true. All of this social media playgrounds. But now I'm just like, man, I have to. And it's so, so like for the podcast, I try and maintain at least one tweet a day, you know? Right. And I'm right. just like, it's like 1130. I'm like, oh, I haven't done this. <laughs> Let's try and think of something, you know, just just so it's there. I'm not even really interacting with people. Like literally nobody is responding. Yeah. But yep. it's like, no, just just kind of trying to create a library of, of you know, interact, whatever. Who cares? Now, I didn't know you when you were 15. But if you were anything like me at 15, I'm so glad I didn't have social media mm-hmm. because the shit that I would have posted would have been oh. completely moronic oh, and awful. Fair. That's fair. And that's not to say that what I post today is very, you know, <laughs> quality. Yeah, yeah. But it's just like, ooh, I'm really, really glad my 15-year-old thoughts, yeah. even my 22-year-old thoughts, weren't able to to make it to a archived mm-hmm. outlet. Yeah, I, I think because we didn't have the worldwide accountability, we mm-hmm. were just vicious, horrible savages to each other. <laughs> <laughs> for fun, right? Just some of the wretched things. So my wife doesn't understand my relationship with my best friend, who I've known since I was 16. He's my oldest friend. And we are horrible to each other. Just the yeah. names we call each other. It's yes. so much fun. Um, and she's like, why do you do that? Don't you even like him? I'm like, yes, of course <laughs> I like him. I wouldn't call him that stuff if I didn't like him. You know. <laughs> so, she's like, you don't call me that stuff. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, I mean, it's different. He's 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 an, he's a stupid idiot that should fall down a flight of stairs every day. But I like you, you know, sort of thing. <laughs> and then, well, like there was a point where we would go back and forth and we would just wish horrible things on each other. Like, I, I wish that you lost all the sensitivity in your fingers. So, you know, you couldn't tell if you were buttoning your shirt right or whatever. Yeah, just all kinds of like really, really dumb. He wished that my teeth turned to yogurt one day. Just that would be awful. Why would you wish that? He's like, I just wish (laughs) that they turned to yogurt. You would enjoy it for a moment until you swallowed all your teeth. And then what? (laughs) You know, so just stuff like that. I think I got to step up my shit talking game. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, all righty. So 
This is the part of the show where we get into the story. Are you ready for your story, John? Yes. I'm, I'm quite stoked to see where this is going to go. All right. So this is called Other John. The crisp morning air numbs the fingertips and exposed extremities. The sweating blocks of ice floating at the coastline smoke as the droplets evaporate in the barely warm air. Other John sips his herbal tea quietly and listens to the water softly clap against the grassy edge and up against the underside of the planks of the wooden dock underfoot. He watches as the droplets of water poke through the space between and twist and twirl before gently crashing down on the toes of his boots. Other John leans toward the water, resting his forearms tightly, clutching his favorite thermos. The scuffs along the base tell a story of a historically loose grip. His, the misshapen walls regale of versatility as they are reminders of times when Other John needed something moved just a tad, and his trusty mug was all that was nearby. He takes his final sip, lifting the thermos above his head, hoping for anything to fall empty. He takes a step back and launches the chip paint weathered thermos brand mug out onto the partially frozen Winnebago Lake. He glares ahead as it skips along the frozen crust, disappearing out of sight into a puff of loose snow disturbed by its landing. Other John shouts aloud in frustration, in part because of his lost mug and in part because he sees no solution to his work problem. Defeated, he scampers back down Bowen Street before turning left on Bayshore Drive en route to Offbeat Press. With each step, his cursing grows more imaginative and ever slightly louder. Stupid alien skin-wearing bastard! Dumbass, ugly hair-having cat's butthole! Oh, if you were on fire, the rain would skip you, choosing to become vapor instead of putting you out. I am not a sellout. I'm not. You can't make me treat this like a money-making shop only. We're a community business. Community! Other John tapers off into a whisper at the end. He walks with his chin buried in his chest, and he watches the floor as it changes from gravel to pavement to linoleum, ignoring the calls from Herbert. Other John, we really need to talk. Other, other John? Other John? Damn it! Why do you do this? A frustrated Herbert slams his coffee mug on the counter, splattering coffee all over his neatly pressed short sleeve yellow button down his burnt umber tie, and a freshly printed stack of flyers. Fuck. Other John heads behind the counter, puts on his headphones, click play, clicks play on his iPod, and carry the banner blares in his ears, picking up where it paused. He mouths, we're killing ourselves to live, and that puts a pep in his step. He begins working at a furious pace. Even after the album ends, he maintains a workflow that was in time with the tempo of the music. The screams of the punk band are replaced with the sounds of the slosh of mixing paint, followed by the sounds of the squeegee dragging the paint along the silk screen surface, trailed by the scraping of excess paint away from the edges, whose sound is similar to running your fingernail along vinyl, which call out to the busy room. Like an absurdly loud clock, the song of the screen press belts out its lullaby with whirs, clicks, hums, and beeps. The persistent symphony of machinery pauses every so often, and the room tone drops to a low hum as the shirts are cured. Herbert approaches during a session of curing and calls out to other John, Hey! We need to talk. Other John looks up and points to his headphones and shakes his head. Nothing plays, but his desire to talk is as great as his desire to poke himself in the eye. Contemplating both, he says loudly, as if speaking over music, Do you think you can survive if you jam a pencil in your eye? I'm just, I'm thinking, do I want to talk to you or jam a pencil in my eye? What do you think? Frustrated, Herbert asserts, grow up, man. Look, we need to expand if we're going to make any money with this place. You told me you just thought this was going to be a little project that you would blah, blah. Who cares? There is actual potential here. I know you work a lot back here. Good for you. But we need like two more people so you can take a break and not be here all day, every day. And so we can get more work done. 
Brother John, less eager to talk now than he has, uh, now that he has heard Herbert's opening pitch, sharply replies, look, this place is mine. You might have been a financial backer, but this is my baby. I'm not going to sell my baby to fill your pockets. Brother John, this is not a baby. This is a business. Do you, you want to have a baby? Cool, but do it on your own time. My own time. This is, my, look, man, Offbeat Press is mine. It is me. I'm offbeat. I am off the beaten path. How do you not see that? You're just the money. You need more money? Earn that on your own time. Leave me out of this. This was supposed to be a community shop that I could use to make band merch for my friends and design some of my own things and put all of that into this. Why are you trying to take that over? Why do you want to hurt me? Look, Other John, if I wanted to talk about hurting people, I just talk, I would just talk to my wife. Oh, you're, you're ruining her life too? Look, Herb, just let me get back to work. Please, fine, but we're not done here. We need to talk this through. Other John points at his headphones and shakes his head. The ringing of silence resonates through his bones and tickles his nose before settling in his, uh, in his rattling teeth. His jaw cracks as he grinds his teeth. The day ends and Other John hops in his car and begins to drive home. He heads west, but in a haze, not completely focused on where he's going. He lets his sub subconscious guide him. Heading west, he turns onto 41 South. Road signs approach and pass quickly. Milwaukee, 55 miles. Chicago, 28 miles. Champaign, Mount Vernon, Marion. Now on 55, Other John crosses the Mississippi River into downtown Memphis. The blinding sunlight awakes him, awakens him from an hour, a 10-hour lucid dream. He pulls over on Poplar Avenue near Morris Park trying to piece together his trip. How the fuck did I just end up in Memphis? How many times did I stop for gas? Checking his odometer, he can see his current trip is 787 miles. Oh my, 700 miles? I had to stop at least three times. Where did I even stop for gas? His phone buzzes loudly in his pocket. Hello? Where the fuck are you? Where? Shouts an angry voice. What? Other John, do not mess with me right now. The shop is silent. None of today's work orders have been started. Dude, it is 10 a.m. Where are you? Rubbing sleepy, sleepiness from his eyes, he checks the time and verifies it is 10.01. Look, who is this? Are you kidding me right now? It's Herbert. Did you get shit-faced last night and you're just waking up? Just get here, man. Realizing the gravity of his predicament, he realizes, um, Herb, I'm, I'm in Memphis. Memphis. Like Tennessee? Really funny, man. How long before you can get here? No, really, I'm, I'm in Memphis. I'm not sure how I got here, but I am here. I'll be back at the shop tomorrow, I guess, but I'm not going home right now. I'm, I'm exhausted, Other John reassures. You know, if you were an employee, I would probably fire you right now, Herbert flexes. Fuck off, man. We both know I'm not. What could you possibly be hoping to do right now? If you were an employee, I would fire you for being a twat, but you're not, so I can't. An employee, I mean. You're, you're not an employee. I'll see you tomorrow. Other John turns off his car. He pulls his feet up onto the seat and wraps his arms around his knees, pulling them tightly into his chest. His windows slowly fog as he breathes in and out heavily through a mild panic attack. How did I get here? Go home. Go home. Home, he chants, rocking back and forth. He clears his mind and attempts to fill his thoughts with the memories of the trip down. Amidst the darkness behind his closed eyes, he catches flashes of taillights poking through the silent dark beneath the endless starlit sky. An image of a smiling stranger as they both fill up. In the back seat of her car are sleeping children and a man in the passenger seat playing games on a cell phone. The two nod and the image fades. Home. 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 Tears stream down his cheeks and cruise down his jawline, pooling at the tip of his chin. Home. 
Home. Home. The car comes to an abrupt stop with a crunch. Brother John opens his eyes and sees a partial frozen lake. Looking down, he sees his foot on the brake. His hands are firmly gripping the wheel. He looks ahead and sees a familiar dock. He freezes in place, unable to move. He hears himself speaking, home, home, home. The end. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Fuck yeah. That was, wow, wow. I don't know. I don't know how most people usually are, but I kind of feel like I just need like you know, like thirty seconds a minute just to process and just kind of take all that in. Yeah. Oh. All right. Man. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. is okay. I don't even know where to go with this. I want to say though, that is my type of story. Yeah. That is absolutely my type of story. The way it concludes and wraps up and just like that. Mm. Yes. Right on. Job well done. Thank Hell you, yeah. Appreciate it. Wow. Okay. All right. Whew. Boy, okay. So um, Ooh, is right. Offbeat where it was when you were working there? Or has it yeah. moved? It, so it's in the same place. Yeah. It's, it's expanded into a bigger section of the building, mm-hmm. but it is still in the same building. Still yes. same building. Okay. So when I mentioned those streets, like walking oh, yeah. Bowen and Bayshore, you got that, right? Straight away? Yeah. Okay. I actually walked Bowen near Bayshore today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, from when we were recording this about an hour ago, I was walking Bowen and, and Harney, which is one block off of Bowen and Bayshore. Wow. Nice. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> and there's a dock just, just technically just east of the Bayshore building. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I was I was looking at like Google Maps. I wanted to see like where Offbeat was, what was around there, and then I I saw that it was like against like really close to the water, and then I yeah. saw how Bowen ended there, and I was like, yeah. oh, that's a sweet little dock, and it had like the little cement barrier. I'm like, okay, that's where he hangs out. This is where he hangs out. As a matter of fact, on Fourth of July, I sat on that dock for a little bit and watched some fireworks. Nice off in the area. So <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Good, good work. Good work. Yes. <laughs> nice nice yeah and the carry the banner lyric that was a really nice that was a really nice addition i'm glad i'm glad you were able to catch it (laughs) oh yes oh yes nice yes that was that was well done (laughs) and i have to say uh i when i was in college and i i worked at a different screen printing shop it was probably four miles from where i lived Mm -hmm. and in the winter i often rode the bus home okay and because when it was too cold or too snowy and there were many times where I just wasn't in the mood for music, but I totally put the headphones in mm-hmm. just so I didn't have to interact <laughs> with anybody. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so I've, I've been guilty of that many times <laughs> in my life. <laughs> nice. Nice. Oh, huh. Awesome. Fuck. Awesome. So was, was I able to capture some of maybe how some of the banter you guys might have experienced or was the dynamic different than that? You know, I would say that there was an exaggeration, mm-hmm. without a doubt. But I think that the the root of kind of the interactions, mm-hmm. pretty similar, yeah. definitely, okay. definitely. Sweet. Yeah, Sweet. I would. You know, I I think it would be the way that I would put it. You know, if you see a historical fiction movie mm-hmm. where you know that these two characters had dialogue, mm-hmm. it might be a little bit more dramatized for sure. the effect. And yeah. I think that that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right on. 
Right on. Huh. Huh. Awesome. <laughs> Damn. I'm like just trying to recap everything right now. Yeah. Score. Am I, I am I am I coming up short with my response here? Because again, yeah. I just feel like I'm just a little like No, 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 no. No, no. It's, it's a head trip. Yeah, it's yeah, totally yeah. a head trip. Take a minute. So what my goal for these when when I'm writing is I try and do everything I can to take whatever I've gleaned and put that person into the story. Yeah. And so um, part of the way that I wanted to do that was uh, I wanted to exaggerate your, like the way you felt about the business and the right. way you would deal with him. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. instead of focusing on like other things that might be drawing you away from it, just taking that, that little facet of you that was like, Oh man, I really like this thing. This, I like this. I like what I started yeah. here, you know? And then, but also you mentioned that, um, mental health was, was something that was like an Definitely. underlying issue. Um, and just throughout some of the research I've done, like those, those moments of kind of like blacking out yeah, and still being able to function. Yes. Right. I, and granted, I never, I never did a, a 10 hour road trip in that capacity, <laughs> sure. but I mean, there, there were days in that time period mm -hmm. and even a little bit thereafter where it would be a thing where all of a sudden I'm like, it's four thirty in the morning. Mm. Like, I, I got home at eight o'clock. Like, what happened? Yeah. And it's not. It's not even that I passed out. You know, because I was conscious. I was doing stuff. Right. Yeah. But just having that feeling of like, I don't, I don't know what happened to the time. Mm. And there, I mean, unfortunately, and I, I think I mentioned this, but there were times that like I woke up in the hallway on the floor. Right. And yeah. I don't remember going mm -hmm. to bed there was one time woke up in front of the refrigerator and oh. i guarantee and i guarantee it was i need to go get something to eat and then my body just shut down <laughs> and i just fell asleep <laughs> oh man <laughs> yeah yeah so so the the drive that never happened mm -hmm. but that blacking out that kind of like loss of yeah. a certain time period without a doubt yeah i i hate to admit that i experience that yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean so i've i have experienced some measure of I, I like to call it time traveling while driving oh yeah. where like i would get out of work and then i would just wake up a, a couple blocks from home and be yeah. like how did i get here yes you know or i'll be at a traffic stop and then just daydreaming, not paying attention. And then when I snap out of the daydream, I'm driving. So it's like that subconscious part that knows like mm -hmm. what comes next, like the cars in front of me moved. So I just started moving, you know, sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I'm just like staring off and daydreaming into something or whatever. And then I just like snap and I'm like, oh, shit, you know. So, so like I, I've experienced. So I, I like I wanted to I like marry some of that. And I also I feel like. I like to put in crazy exaggerations. I can't imagine yeah. someone's going to go on in like a 10 hour, you know, with like oh, multiple yeah. stops for gas, you know? Right. Oh no, no. I, uh, I, I, yeah, that was, that was fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Huh? Do you also uh, have one of those, um, thermoses that are beat to hell? Okay, I actually, I just retired that one Did you? about, yeah, maybe two months ago. Okay. So I have, as I'm holding up, you can see, I have the big Yeti containers. Nice. I have I have two of them. Smart. I have one that's for my water. This one's for my tea. Nice. And 
the one that I just retired, I replaced my T one. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably have had since 2009 oh, and wow. it was dented yeah. and destroyed. And I mean, I didn't throw it out on the lake, but I absolutely <laughs> threw it against my dresser one yeah. night and um, <laughs> just yeah. in, in a release of anger and yeah. frustration. And oh, so, yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yep. I feel like everybody that has one, it, it becomes like this multi-tool like, Oh, this is metal. Surely this is strong enough to just like bang this little thing, you know, like, oh, this, these two pieces of wood are not here. Let me just grab my mug and bam, bam, bam sort of thing, you know, or just like you you drop them a million times. And so sometimes like the base, it starts to fold into this like very fine tip around the edges, you know. Would, uh, would you like to hear a completely embarrassing story involving my, my thermos? I would love it. And this is from the screen printing days. Nice. So it's a very long, very long work day. All right. It was in the summer. I don't remember what month it was, but I probably got done working about 10, 30, 11 at night. And my bike was getting serviced. Mm-hmm. But my buddy that owned the shop gave me an old cruiser to just ride in the meantime. Okay. So. And these are I, motorcycles or bicycles? Bicycle. 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 I'm not cool enough for a motorcycle. (laughs) So I finish up at the shop. I get myself ready. And my backpack has one of those little net pockets on the side of it where I could put Mm -hmm. my canteen right in there. Yeah. For whatever dumbass reason, I filled it up before I left. Okay. So I put a a four or five pound canteen in my my mesh (laughs) pocket. I get on the bike and I start cruising. And I remember this. I put on Ghetto Bastard by Naughty by Nature. Nice. I, that was like the song I wanted to listen to on the bike home. <laughs> and it was kind of my release. I'm cruising down the street. I'm feeling good. The wind's blowing. I decide to stand mm. on the pedals. Right. What I don't take it into consideration is that this bike does not have handbrakes. It has pedal brakes. Oh. So <laughs> the oh, no. moment I stood... The bike just came to a screeching halt. I topple over it. I go flying over the handlebars, and the canteen from the backpack slips out and just bashes me in the head. (laughs) I tumble over the bike, and it is, I mean, it's a scene from a movie where the bike goes over me, and I somersault on the ground a couple times, and I'm sitting there, my iPod still playing. Nice. (laughs) And I just sat there, and I was like, this is perfect end of the day yeah. <laughs> totally it so yeah yeah back to the head trauma nice yeah uh, yep yep almost took myself out with my own like 38 ounce canteen oh, that's the best <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh they did they do say that water's dangerous water is dangerous right it is it is it is dangerous <laughs> oh my goodness oh my goodness huh. oh. so yeah there Please go ahead. Yeah, for um, carry the banner. Um, yeah. Do you remember? You remember that album? Oh yeah, that yeah. was on Cavalcade. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I do remember. I do remember carry the banner on Cavalcade. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Score. Score. I feel like there was that. Oh no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. There was there was a band called O Pioneers at the time, and they had an album that just came out. Shortly around that time period, mm-hmm. and they had uh, <clears throat> Neon Creeps, that was it, and 9 a.m. every day. 
I remember I would sometimes I was like my soundtrack going into work. Ah. I would just put that song on and because it was very similar mindset, very similar emotions that I was feeling. And I was like, well, at least I'm not the only one. You know, it was it was that finding comfort in other people's yeah. misery as well. Oh, man. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I, like when I tend to um, – I, I love it when I'll mention a song or I'll mention a lyric and people can – they, like, are able to connect to it. Because, I mean, there's, there's so much music that I have listened to that I love, but there are, like, very few songs where I could – if you like set a lyric that I'll be able to like, Oh, I remember that song. Oh yeah. But if we're just talking and you just say something, if, if there is a lyric to a song that even resembles that, my brain is like, Ooh, that's a song. Let's sing it. And so <laughs> my wife hates it. Cause I do it all the freaking time. We'll just be talking and then she'll say something and then I'll just start singing. She's like, stop. That's not what I was saying. <laughs> like oh, but I mean it's what you said like three of those mm-hmm. words were in this lyric you know but I like I can't do that on purpose it's just like oh yeah I like it it it, it just pops in into my brain like huh. oh, there's this song sing it so but so I, I love it when people are like are like oh yeah I remember that song I remember those lyrics yes because I'm like dang I yes don't. until yeah. it's an opportunity to be annoying I guess well, and and I'll admit when you when you mentioned "Carry the Banner," mm-hmm. you know immediately I knew it was a Flatliner song, but I was like, I wonder why that one. And then when you quoted the lyric, I was mm-hmm. like, Oh shit! Yeah, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I was. Um, I listened to I listened to that that album a couple times trying to find okay. something that I okay that I liked in there. It's like part of so part of the the this facet for me of like getting um, into the music that people were into. Cause I mean, there's a whole bunch that people like really loved at certain points. I'm like, Oh, I didn't listen to that. Hit me up. Let me, let me, mm-hmm. let me, let, let me go through some of their stuff and see if I can't incorporate it. But it's also, I enjoy discovering, you know, yeah. Christopher Columbus style discovering. Oh, so, right. Yeah. Yeah. Naturally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So did you did you know the direction you wanted to take the story almost immediately? Nope. Okay. No idea. So okay. yeah, when I the when I first started, I was like, okay, he likes drinking tea. Um, so he's drinking tea. But why is he drinking tea? And then I like started to look up on Google Maps, like I said, I'm like, right, where even is this? Because mm-hmm. um, I had like an idea in my head of where Oshkosh was in Wisconsin. Right. You know, right. I know it's somewhere in the middle but north. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and then uh, I saw how there was like, it was at the, like the end of that little lip on yep. the lake. And I was like, Oh, that's pretty. Well, let's see what's over there, you know? And then I started to get that. And then, I mean, it's like a frozen tundra out here and I'm like, okay, it's snows in, in Wisconsin. Yeah. So yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so then I started the, the setting and then I was like, okay, so he's going to start his day. He's already frustrated and like trying to approach the idea of, do I stay or do I go, you know, mm-hmm. that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't always like to immediately undo the decision and do something else. So like the story had, like it was an alternate version of what you might've experienced because uh, at that, at the end of that, you're just like, all right, I'm selling them out. Right. But for this right. one, I'm like, okay, well let's, 
even if he sells later, let's have him in for a little bit longer. Let's what what's happening, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah it just kind of started to happen. And then, yeah, I just start writing. And then one of the things that helps me though, is like, if I can, if I can try and get into the head of the, the character, um, and start writing dialogue, then that helps me like, sure. right, where are we going to go from here? Sort of thing. Yeah. And I, I have to say just with not knowing for lack of a better term, the significance of, the location mm -hmm. of the shop, but it is right where the Fox river meets Lake Winnebago. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, Lake Winnebago is the largest inland lake in the country, not including the great lakes. Mm -hmm. And the Fox river is the only river that, that flows upstream. And, oh. and so, you know, it's like, it's a unique spot mm -hmm. anyway. And I feel like if somebody were to write a story that knows the area, mm -hmm. it's not out of the question that, somehow that that would get brought in you know yeah. and so so it was to open there i was just like mm, <laughs> i gotta give him some props for this <laughs> yes yes <laughs> yeah that was uh it was a like that was a hundred percent accidental like i just learned the significance of you know those yeah. two tidbits so I'm, I'm glad that they found their way in because yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh that's great yeah that's great. And just and also, I'm sure that every guest can can say this. But when you started explaining, I visualized it immediately, okay. and I don't expect I don't expect that that listeners would be able to visualize it mm -hmm. just like that. But it was just like I pictured the whole thing, yeah. everything, and I've I've driven. I haven't driven to Memphis, but I've driven to Nashville and through Nashville a couple times. Mm -hmm. You know, so like so yeah. much about that. I was just like, yep, yep. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. I'm seeing all of this. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> good. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Part of the so I, I think I told uh, one of the early guests that part of um, the fun for me in writing these stories is because I've spent so much time in film that the way that I imagine them is how I would imagine uh, a film. Yeah. Right. So like the way the camera like focuses on this and focus and mm -hmm. lifts kind of lifts. And so as I'm describing things, you just kind of get this pan, you know, up into the, like, even like the, uh, when I was describing the chucking of the, the, the thermos out onto the, the lake. Yeah. Right. And then it kind of skips. And then, so in my mind, we're getting this, this shot that it scans for a moment and then kind of zooms in and you can see it disappear into that, you know, puff. Yep. So I try and, and do things from a cinematic, but just because like, I, I love that imagery, you know? Yes. And so, well, I think even the, the closing of the story mm -hmm. and how it all cuts right back to being on that dock yeah. was very cinematic to me. I pictured how that would be edited and, you know, and just even the sound design and yeah. everything and kind of like a swelling that then releases mm -hmm. once we cut back to right where we started. Yeah. And, you know, and it's just standing there. It was incredibly cinematic. So I think you say that that's the way that in which you write, but that's also the way in which it reads. Good. So good. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Fuck. That was, ah. This, this, this was a fun story to write. This, this was a fun, a fun story. And I, like, I think, um, I'm, I'm noticing as I'm like going, Oh, like over past episodes, I'm watching like, uh, the emotional journey of the characters mm. happening a little bit, a little bit more like some of them are just silly, 
you know, like the, the one, uh, another guest that I had uh, earlier this week when I did his, sorry, his was silly because like his takes place in the early eighties and he mentioned having a group of friends. So that made me think of like the Goonies and stand by me and sure. stranger thing. All right. So I'm like, okay, so we're, this one's going to be a little bit cheeky. Um, yeah. But when I have other opportunities like this where I get to like, okay, especially if like, if I'm talking to people that are aware of where they were mentally, Mm -hmm. then I'm like, okay, so now, now let's, let's, let's tackle some of the things that we experience when, you know, so. Have you, have you scrapped a story? Um, not quite. Not well, not completely. I think there were two where I started writing and I hated them. Okay. So like I got rid of it and then I went back. Um, okay. So one of the one of the episodes, the the other, um, the get her name is Amanda Gonter. When so her decision was about whether or not to go to college in Savannah or to on a whim like go up to Chicago or whatever, and so. I started um, working on that story from that, like the, the choice. And then I just kind of turned it into this road trip mm-hmm. that, you know, like bypassed everything. She's like, nope, fuck it. I'm just going to keep this rental car and we're just going to go until it's yeah. going sort of thing. Um, but like when I started writing, I was like, mm, I don't, I don't like this. I, I don't, I don't see where I can't, I can't see where this is going to be fun for me to write. Mm. So then okay. I just started okay. over and then okay. went back in. So, uh, l- luckily I haven't had too many issues where I'm just like, Oh, this, this sucks, you know? Yeah. What am I even doing, you know? Um, so have you thought about doing a book publishing these stories? Actually, that's the goal. Yes. To cool. Very cool. Cause mm-hmm. I, that was, there was also, you know, when you were reading the story, mm-hmm. you just had so many different thoughts and reactions, mm-hmm. but at one moment there was a thought of like, he should put this out as a book like and not not my story i'm not right, like, right. other john deserves it yeah. to be published deserves to like, be on paper yeah but i was like shit like this is a collection yeah and and it's so fascinating and i think i was also thinking in terms of somebody that doesn't know me mm-hmm. would they be would they be interested or invested in this story right. and then the way in which that you wrote it mm-hmm. i was just like yes Yes, I think they would, mm. because this is a story about me, but it's ultimately a story about a character. And it's just a it's a nice moment in time mm-hmm. and it has an arc and it it just. Mm. OK, good. Fucking really yeah, good so job. really good job. man. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. So that that's that's something that I tried to be intentional about uh, as I'm doing these, um, because I, like, I didn't want them to just be fan service or. Yeah, and I didn't want an inside joke, a fifteen hundred word inside joke. You know? Right. So I was hoping to like, I want to make it meaningful to you as the guest. So I'm going to try and put you in there, but this is also just a person, you know. So yes. We're reading about this yeah. person, so you might get uh, a little more from some of the, like the little uh, snippets. So like the <clears throat> like the lyric, for example. Yeah. That immediately took you somewhere. Right. right. And that, that was for you. But the character could 100% that. And then if people go and try and find that song and listen, they're like, oh, shit. Okay. Mm-hmm. I get it. All right. All right. Mm-hmm. You know, so. And what, what you what you craft is is a complete character that mm-hmm. for the guest 
there's details in there that mm-hmm. perhaps only that person will ever get right or it will ever connect with mm-hmm. but that also means that those serve the character so if somebody reading it mm-hmm. they're still getting that full picture it's just there's little nuances that they might go overlooked but they don't need those nuances mm-hmm. to have a rich story yeah so whew, man I'm really impressed. I don't. I. I don't want that to come off like I was expecting total shit or anything <laughs> like that. But it's just. Yeah. No. It's. Wow. Wow. That was. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, you'll probably have a follow up for me after I've been able to like process my <laughs> thoughts here. I don't mean to just be like a stammering. No. 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 It's. But... I had one guest where um, she asked me to send it to her after the show. Um, and then she like sent me a letter like a few days later saying, okay, so I had some time to read it over and really like process it. And here are some more of my thoughts on it. So this is like the, the record, like the episode was already recorded and done, Yeah. but she's like, oh no, no I, I really like, I want to, I want to give you more than I gave you. Cause I was kind of like, <gasps> you know, sort of like in that moment. So yeah, I'm, I, I won't lie. If you're willing to do that as well, oh, I would more than happy to. Yeah, I'd yeah. love to. Because I think that there's also something about being able to, to reread a section, you mm-hmm. know? And it's just yeah. like, all right, this sentence registered with me. I go on to the next one. And then it's like, wait, did I just miss something? Because mm-hmm. I was caught in this other yeah. nostalgia or, or emotional reaction. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure that there's a bunch of things that I just, com- like, for lack of a better term, overlooked. Mm-hmm. Because I was fixated on something that came before it. Yeah. And I wasn't processing quick enough to, to like say in real time yeah <laughs> nice yeah yeah i'm more than happy to send it to you yeah more than happy more than happy cool beans wow wow awesome awesome so <clears throat> the at the at the at the end of your relationship with offbeat and herbert um what uh what was that what was that like for you guys when things started breaking down and you're like, I have to get out of here. I'm unhappy. I'm working myself to death. Mm-hmm. You know, and you didn't see the future that you thought in it. What, what was that like for you guys? Did you avoid each other? Did you try and work things out? Did you just, you know, I know that there was, there was serious concern on the, shop side of things because as i mentioned that my partner he didn't do the printing mm-hmm. and that that was something that he didn't understand so even though i had very strong feelings very strong emotions i also didn't really want to set that up to fail hmm. and so adam who we talked about right. you yeah. know the first employee mm-hmm. he i taught him a lot about printing and everything and he essentially stepped up to be shop manager okay and it was agreed upon that for six months after I left, I would be available to answer questions or to, you know, to kind of like be a consultant. Sure. If okay. you will. So it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, like kick the door out when I'm leaving mm-hmm. and you know, piss all over the place and then just like stomp away as mm-hmm. much as my brain wanted it to be that. Yeah. But we didn't, I can't even say that it was that we avoided each other because we just didn't see each other outside Mm. of work all that much to begin with. Okay. But I do remember that first like run in. I don't remember where it was, but that, you know, that like constant dread of like, oh, am I going to see him at the bar? Am I going to see him at a restaurant? Am I going (laughs) to see him at the store or on the street? And it it was fine. 
you know, and okay. I'm not even, it takes a lot for me to be like really rude to okay. people. And so I can put on the happy face or like the civil face. I should say the civil face, the not civil a happy face. face. Okay. But it's just like, why be a total fucking shithead if right. I don't have to be? So, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was weird. You know, in some ways, I think it's kind of just like a breakup right. the, when you have mutual friends mm -hmm. and, you know, and like even like with customers, like yeah. I had customers that I would see. And then with them, it was kind of weird because it was like, uh, 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 yeah. Hey, I'm still getting stuff printed. I hope it's like, yes, I know. Like I want you to have good products. Yeah. Like, like it's fine. Don't worry. It's cool. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> nice. Okay. Right on. Right on. And then you mentioned uh, before we started recording that uh, by chance you ran into him, Herbert today, right? Yeah. Like what I mentioned, I was on a walk and I was by Bowen and Bayshore when I was right. on Bowen and Harney. Mm. And yeah. Yeah, he was walking the dog and, you know, That's had so a cool. chat for, I don't know, five, six minutes, you right. know, just like a little, like a little uh, checkup. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I, I had to get away just to get out of the apartment for a little bit. And mm -hmm. Sun's shining, yeah. which you and it's the temperatures above 20. So right. it was like, I'm taking advantage of this. Yeah. <laughs> and sure as shit, nice. <laughs> we crossed paths. Of course you did. In the world of the Dark Tower, I just thought that's ka. <laughs> oh my gosh had you in his sights he knew you were about to walk in oh, <clears throat> that is funny awesome i did i there was a, in my during that whole interaction mm -hmm. when i ran into him in my head i was thinking i gotta get home because I'm gonna hear off a fictional story about if I wouldn't have sold them when I did. <laughs> I kind of wanted to say something, but I was yeah. also just like, whatever. Yeah, I'm sure he'll hear about it one way or another. So, right. oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh man. So, was there anything else that popped in your head about um, the story that you connected with? Anything that has been ruminating that has made its way forward? Oh boy. You know, what's, what's really interesting is it's the feelings that I'm kind of having is almost like the drive you depicted in the story. Okay. Where it's like, I, with the opening, I remember the opening and we get into it. And then all of a sudden we are at the close and I was like, I feel like I remember the first half of the story. Mm -hmm. So right now thinking back to, you know, 30 minutes ago, mm -hmm the first half stands out in my mind more than the second half. And I think part of it is because when I got to the second half, there were so many different reactions and, you know, like I'm, I'm caught up in the moment mm. and I'm thinking about this and I'm focusing on that. Mm. And this hit me that in that first half I came in, you know, I didn't know what to expect. And so right. I was like my full attention. Then all of a sudden it was just like, Oh, this feeling, this emotion, uh, this memory, yeah. this, you know, the, relating it to everything. So, um, man, I'm trying to remember, uh, I did have to kind of laugh that I was like, yeah, if I wasn't at work by 10 o'clock on a day, everyone would be like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. <laughs> like, like what is, oh, but the one thing I will say, and I, the, the only, um, uh, inaccuracy 
Okay. I didn't have a car. Oh, dang. You might have mentioned but, that. But, that's, but, it, but, it's, but it's other me. So we don't know when this took place. We that's don't true. know what year this is. That's true. So I could have, when mm. I eventually got it, because I did get a car again. I went 10 years without a car. Mm. And so this could have come at the time after I got my car. Ah, that's true. Okay. So, 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 yep, 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 yep. <laughs> that's, yep. All right. We saved it. We saved it. Okay. We're good. We're Whew. good. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to scare you like that. Yeah, no, it's good. I was just gonna have to burn the whole thing. Just set it all on fire. <laughs> okay. okay, let me think. Let me think if there's anything else from the story. Hmm. Um did I I mentioned the iPod on the first half, right? You might have. I just assumed you would have had an iPod. Well what's beautiful is that I was like apprehensive of iPods for so long because mm-hmm. I was like, why do I need an iPod? I have a wall of CDs, and mm-hmm. I'm not even exaggerating at this point. Oh, yeah, yeah. My apartment had built-in shelves, and it was floor-to-ceiling. Ooh. It was 1,800 CDs, I think it was. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I don't need an iPad or mm-hmm. an iPod. This is foolish. Look at all this music I have. Meanwhile, every night, I would have to spend one hour going through, and I had one of those wallets that held 24 CDs. Yeah. I'd be like, tomorrow, I want to listen to this. Put it in the <laughs> wallet. I want to listen to this. Put oh it in gosh. the wallet. But um, October 2008 is when the shop opened. Mm-hmm. Also the same month I got my iPod. Nice. And so the iPod was like pretty fresh. In not gonna lie, still use it. I don't really do streaming music. I still do. Nice. I still do iPods. Um, but that, especially during that time, having the iPod was like key. Yeah. For me, it was it was new and significant. Yeah. I like finally got over my stubbornness of right. technology. Right. And I was like, this is incredible. I have every album yeah. in my pocket. Right. <laughs> it had that really fun little um, interface with the, with the circle that you could. Yeah. And it was like a little tactile too. So you felt it on your thumb. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I use it to this day. <laughs> <laughs> the same one from 2008. Yeah. yeah. Oh snap. It blasted me. Yeah. Wow. I'm, su- I'm sweating the day that it goes down. Ooh. I know it's going to happen at some point, right? but I'm like, at least make it to 2023. Cause then that's 15 years and I'm going to feel really satisfied. Okay. But that's 15 year mark. That's my goal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Into it, into it. <laughs> nice. I mentioned the stubbornness of technology when I was like, no iPods. Yeah. I'm still embracing that today where I'm like, I don't need Spotify. Yeah. I don't need. I'm with you. Like, yeah, I, I I never got into Pandora. I skipped Pandora. Yeah. Um, so I went from CDs to, but I never went to an iPod. I was I was like, no, I'm I'm not going to use an iPod. And then I bought a Zoom, a Microsoft Zoom. Oh, yeah. Because I've always picked the loser when it comes to technology. Um, okay. Says the <laughs> the Sega fan. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, I picked the the Dreamcast over the. The, the PS2, like a big oh. dumb idiot. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I like had the Zune for a while, but I only had like, like how many, like 30 megabytes? No, it has to be more than that. 300 megabytes maybe. I don't know. All I know is that it did not hold very much music at all. Mm-hmm. It drove me crazy. So, mm-hmm. but I'd like, so instead of going to Pandora, I'm like, nope, I'm going to keep using this guy. And that's it. I, yep. I love my little Zune. And then, when that finally crapped out, I was like, okay. And then I, I, ha- I do Spotify now. 
Yeah. So. I, it just occurred to me, I'm still essentially doing the updated version of selecting CDs to put in my wallet because my iPod is only 120 gigs and I have two times that of music. Oh. And so I have to, <laughs> this is, I'm sounding so pathetic right now, but every now and then I have to go through it. I'm like, well, I'm going to uncheck all these songs and yep. now I'm going to check these songs so I can move them onto my iPod. <laughs> oh my God. Something oh, do not it. change at all. Oh, we, we are who we are, my man. Why am I talking about this out loud? <laughs> That's great. That's fantastic. Jeez. Oh, I love it. I wow. Love it. Oh man. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I think, I think this is a, a good place to, to round it all together. Um, this was a really fun conversation. Uh, my guest today was John Pata. If you'd like to follow him again on Instagram, he is at John Pata on Twitter. He's at John underscore Pata. Uh, look out for some of the work he does with Head Trauma Productions. Um, thank you again, John, for being here. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, it was an incredible story. Awesome thanks, sauce. Thanks for giving me your words. Yeah, for sure. Come back next week, everybody, for another episode of Other You. For John, I am D. Bye.